0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Hello, cat lovers. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude, We have a super special show today. I have with me today, Dr. Jeff. We're going to do a little Q&A about, you know, various things about cats. And I promise you, it's going to be so informative and so much fun. So stick around, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey guys, Michelle Fern here. You know, what stuff just stinks? Think about your husband's stinky gym bag. Well, if you have a cat like me, you know nothing smells worse than a wet litter box. Luckily, Arm Hammer has a great solution. New Absorbix cat litter made with desert dry minerals. It absorbs wetness in seconds, taking that wet, stinky odor out of the picture. Go to armandhammer.com slash bounty and get $4 off your box of quick absorbing Absorbix and have a nice, dry, smell-free day. New Absorbix from Armand Hammer. More power to you.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to introduce my guest today. Welcome, Dr. Jeff.
0: And I am with my special guest, Michelle Fern from Catitude.
1: Hey, Dr. Jeff, how you doing?
0: Good, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. So, because of an honor of Michelle and Catitude and my wonderful guest, I wanted to bring in my new kitty. And he's <laughs> this gorgeous. Is so Kitty number six. So
1: Kitty number six. Wow. <laughs> What's his name?
0: So his so basically what happened was my kids wanted to call him Jazz. My grandkids wanted to call him Jasmine, but you know Jasmine for a guy, uh, yeah,
1: I don't know Jasmine. if that works.
0: So so we we sort of shortened it to Jazz. So his name is Jazz, and um he is you know just so adorable. You know I've always wanted an orange tabby, and I've I, I've said for years of all the cats and I have so many cats is that I've wanted an orange tabby, but I never had one. You know they're males typically. Mm-hmm. Um they are very large typically. And they're so sweet. Oh, good. I can eat them up. So finally, a friend of mine's mother found this, a couple of stray cats in her yard, little teeny-kitties. And they had no ID, couldn't find mom, put it so, uh, asked the neighbors, put signs up. And they were, she was worried about them, so brought them in, checked them out. And I said, oh, my God, it has my name on it. It's an orange tabby.
1: Uh, this is, like, perfect. Dr. Jeff, how old is he?
0: Uh, right now, believe it or not, he's only three and a half. He's maybe four months now.
1: He's going to be huge. He's four know, months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's and, gonna and what's be amazing huge.
0: is, you know, so I bring him into this household with five other cats and
1: not even a second
0: of battling or hissing. They took him, and he is such a monster eater that I have two cats. Two of my cats are like, one is 16, one's 18 pounds. And they were eating, chowing down their food. And he literally will run up to the bowl, push them out of the way, start eating their food. And they let him.
1: It's amazing. They just,
0: they love this little guy. He's
1: going to be a big one.
0: I know. I'm happy. So
1: sweet. Look at him. He's just like chill and everything. Oh, he's so Maybe cute. he's made then, to be on radio or something. You know. Look and at and,
0: him. and he purrs like crazy. You can hear his purring across the room. So it's so cute. So how about you, Michelle? Cats wise, dog wise. What what's your what's your
1: uh, well? Your, uh, your I, life? Th- I think you know, um, I think the producer our producer told you I lost my beloved Zeus. He yeah. was 15 years, two months, and like four days and i had him almost 15 years i got him at four months wow and it's just hard it's hard he lived he you know he had a long life and everything but it's it's been about 20 days so i knew it was coming so it wasn't as as bad as when i lost my first one who she was just sick one day and gone right you know so zeus i could tell he was slowing down and then otherwise the rest of the crew is the same uh-huh now
0: you know, one of the things that I would, I would like to know your take on it, but I get asked a lot, you know, people, heaven forbid, you have to lose a pet. It's very sad. And, um, you know, so the question is, when do they get another pet? And I used to, you know, I was in the, the camp that, you know, let a little mourning happen and, and, you know, sort of the memories and, and then, you know, don't, don't rush it. But, you know, what I found out, and this is just for me and everybody has a different take on it, is that, you know, who suffers the most when you lose a pet and you don't have another one? To shower that affection and that love on. We do. Right. So, so I'm now of the camp. And as I said, number one, have multiple pets. Believe it or not, it does help the blow a little bit when you still, because you're going to have that emptiness and the, the other pets are going to benefit from that because they are going to get so much more affection and love. Then, secondly, Now I say, I'll I'll wait 20 minutes. I'm looking right away because I don't want to be without them. And my other animals, the other animals in the house, and I also have four dogs, they've sensed that loss also. They don't want to be without them. So I think that for me, and as I say, I say this often, that the best way to memorialize a lost pet is through a new pet. Why? Because inevitably that new pet is going to have some expression, a vocalization, a behavior, something that you're going to be saying, oh, my God, you know, Bowser used to do that.
1: And in that way,
0: you just never forget him. You're not going to forget him anyway. But it just brings back nice memories.
1: You know, you don't forget. When I lost my first one, it was just me and her in the household. So when she passed, I was devastated. I went looking right away. And it was in 2005, and we had a hurricane coming up. So I knew I would be, and it was Hurricane Wilma, which was a bad one. So I knew I'd be stuck inside all by myself and it wasn't that that made me think spur me to get someone else but it was just the loss of her you know was because it was was her and i that's the only live things in the household so i had to find another dog right away and i wanted to rescue i actually went back to the same shelter that i had went to at the humane society we have one here that has like four kennels and i went back and there was zeus i found him and he ended up being returned to the shelter. And he had the mm-hmm. stupidest name, Binky. That's like what they used to call a pacifier, right? I mean, who? Uh, and then right. the the lady told me they returned him because her child was holding on to the bone as he was chewing it and he growled. We all know dogs just do that. And, you know, puppies just, he was a little puppy, 15 pounds, four months. He was adorable, scared, a little skittish of me. And, um, i had posted some pictures on instagram and they were not unfortunately not the best quality because 15 years ago you know right. phones uh cameras weren't the best but he just was this ball of fluff and him and i just that was our first night together so that's why i named him zeus it was either zeus or fred but it was just so much better when once i got him now this oh, time yeah. i have a whole zoo i have Three cats, two outdoors that are TNR rescues, well, two and a half, I say. And then we have the Yapper Nikki. So this time I'm holding off a little because with COVID, it's a little harder to adopt. And I don't know if I'm going to be traveling a little bit next year. So I'm just holding off. But I think when people say that it was so hard going through the loss, I'm not going to get another one and they don't have other pets and they don't have any reasons. I just don't think that makes sense to me. Uh, Get another one, especially if you're, especially rescuing, I'm so big on rescuing because there's so many pets out there that are not wanted, unfortunately, especially, and and now with the COVID, people were adopting like crazy. Now I heard they are starting to bring them back to shelters, which is horrible.
0: And that was the fear. In fact, I wanted to talk to you about that because I'm, I'm hearing the same thing. You know, first of all, the shelters are emptying out, which is a good thing. And yet my fear uh, was that as we hopefully get back to some sort of normalcy in our lives and going back to work, are these adopted pets going to be um, taken back to the shelters and how terrible that is? So um, you know, That it's, drives a, me it's crazy.
1: A, it's like taking your kid and bringing your kid back. I know, and you right, don't do right. that.
0: So because I, you know, I'm also, what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing is veterinarians are, we are getting so swamped. And I think part of the reason is number one, more people are getting pets, which is good. And also we're spending more time with them because we have more time to spend with them. A lot of you know, businesses are, are are not essentials. So they're not allowing, they're not being allowed to go back to work for one thing. And secondly, those that have not been going to work and have been doing things virtually, they're realizing, oh my God we can do this. We don't need that expensive office. We can do this on Zoom. We can do it on home. And I know a lot of companies are downsizing and a lot of the employees are going to be remaining, possibly uh, working remotely. So if that is the case, and I think it is good for the pets, but my fear is those that do go back, they're going to find out they don't have the time. uh, The animals are going to become destructive. They're not going to get the attention and they're going to take them back to the shelter, which is terrible.
1: It is it is terrible. I mean, for, for dogs, it's a little harder for dogs to be separated. But for cats, they're fine with it.
0: Yeah, you of know, course.
1: Overall, from from everything I've heard and listened to lately, cats are, okay, hey, you're gone, fine. You're here, fine. You know, just give me a little time and feed me and take care of the litter box and I'm good. You know, right. so they're fine. You know what I want to talk to you about? There's so many schools of thought on this. Indoor versus outdoor cats. Because I have both. But let me explain. My three indoors have always been indoors. And they have the patio, which is the catio. So they can go outside there. My outdoor ones are two TNR rescues that we didn't just rescue and feed. We They have a house. They have a warming blanket for the two cold fronts that we get down here in South Florida. They have flea treatment. But they're a couple. So, She would not be good indoors, he would be, but I can't separate them. So they're outdoors because of who they are. But what do you think about, you know, like say, Jazz, would you ever have, or your cats, are they indoor, outdoor to come and go as they please? Or what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think it depends on a lot of factors. Number one is the location. Statistically, if you live in a metropolitan area, outdoor cats don't fare as well. In LA, for example, with dogs, cars, coyotes, Feline AIDS, feline leukemia, they are at a big disadvantage. They say the average age is they can live up to five years. Uh, Whereas the indoor cats, I mean, I've had cats that have gone 17, 18, 19 years. So my cats, six of them, all are uh, indoor only. And I've always been a fan of indoor only cats. I think we have more control over them. And I think they fare extremely well. And by having multiple cats, they still have plenty of room to run around. And um, we have a patio as well. And sometimes I'll let them out. And they really don't, fare, they don't go very far at all. They're always in the backyard. Often in my neighborhood, I'll see signs up about a lost cat. Now, the advantages of, well, obviously, cats that are indoor-outdoor or outdoor-only, they, they're very smart. They, they have that survival instinct, and they do very well. One thing is that when you have a cat that's outdoors, I see people, because it's, it's somewhat of a norm to see cats just walk in the neighborhood, crossing streets, et cetera, those that are lucky enough to make it all the way across. So no one's going to stop when you see a cat whether it has ID or not, and try to capture it, which will be almost impossible, and you know bring it into the shelter. Whereas dogs running around by themselves, first of course the first thought is, oh, he got away, he must be lost." So people do try to lasso him, get him into a car and see if they can if there's any identification on him, etc. So my last batch, one of my cats, was a magnificent Bengal, snowshoe marble bangle, one of the most, most stunning cats I've ever seen. And um, he got out once. And he was gone for well, we thought he was gone five days. All of a sudden, one of my dogs is outside and going nuts, like nuts, like vocalizing and barking and jumping up and down. So I look out the window. What's driving him crazy? And it was Zoolander. Zoey came back. Wow, five days. So now what I learned from there is even though all my cats are indoors, they are all microchipped, and I do have them wearing collars. So I just don't want to take a chance. You know, you guys have hurricanes. We have earthquakes. You know, heaven forbid. They've done it recently. I, 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 I walked out by my patio, looked out the window, and four of my cats were sitting on the patio. Wait, wait how'd you guys get out? They pushed a screen out and uh, from the kitchen jumped out the patio. They, they were hanging out, but just uh, holy cow! So you realize that you need to take the precautions.
1: You know, I always worry too if they're out and about, even though they can take care of themselves, if they're, I guess, if they were always outdoors. There's creatures out there, like you said. I mean, we're in the suburbs, but still, there's coyotes around here. There's possums. There's raccoons. There's some of these bullfrogs that are huge that are supposed to be toxic to animals. So I'm concerned about if I had my indoor cats become outdoor cats, that they would catch something. And that could maybe transpired to, I don't know if that could hurt the dog or not, or I don't know. That's my concern.
0: And there's also, of- um, in our neighborhood, we see a lot of these poison mushrooms yes. growing on people's lawns. And you know, for an animal who's foraging, uh, they might just eat those up, and there are terrible stories about those mushrooms. So I'm very happy to keep mine indoors. Uh, they have you know the run of the place, they have big beds to lie down, they have their own beds. So in fact, it's so funny. One of my cats, an outdoor rescue, more is an adult cat. His name is Ninja, black Ninja. He's one of my big ones, and um, he is just an amazing cat. So when he, we first brought him home, he would sit by the, any door waiting for it to open so he can charge out. So we were being very careful. We started feeding him. He started playing with the other cats and he started, you know, he actually bonded to one of my, and he bonded pretty well to Jazzy as well. Anyway, it got to the point where we can have a door wide open walk up to the threshold, walk, peek out, look at one side, look out the other side, go, nah, what's better in here? He has no desire now to go outside. So uh, that's great.
1: How come he has no desire to go out? What happened?
0: No, just because he started realizing, wait a second, I get meals, two big meals every day. I'm getting all this attention and affection. I got all my playmates here I, I need. And uh, there was nothing out there. It could be this. And um, anyway, he has turned out to be such an amazing cat. He's one of my most lovable cats.
1: Well, cats are smart, you know? Oh, yeah. They know. Um,
0: so, so wait a second. Let's, let's talk to a cat lady here. Um, uh, so what do you think? Who's smarter, cats or dogs?
1: You know, I was always a dog person until I started getting cats. <laughs> and then, you know, now I have more cats than dogs. I don't know, but I think I've heard that cats are.
0: Here's my take.
1: Depends on the dog, the breed too. Of course. Oh, I think mutts are the I, best. Visually, but
0: I, I'm talking, generalizing. I'm going to generalize here. First of all, you have to define define what is smart. Who is better at being taught tricks? Okay, dogs. probably dogs. Oh, absolutely.
1: Dogs but are hard. If, so cats can be trained by now, but they're a oh, lot oh, harder trained. Absolutely.
0: absolutely. But, I'm not, yeah. but if we're going to define by smart as a survival instinct, cats. Oh, cats hands down. If you put your dog outside, your, your domesticated pet dog, and lock him up out of the house and see how long he makes it on his own you know, uh, smarts, left to his own devices, as we say. Whereas a cat, oh, okay, no problem. I'll eat bugs. I know where to go. I know how to avoid cars. I know how to look both ways. I know the noises. They could do better on their own than a dog.
1: Right. And I wonder, I've heard also it's because dogs have been domesticated longer too.
0: Totally possible. Totally possible. But uh, so that's why I never like to enter that discussion because you never know.
1: I'm a little of both cat and dog. So if you, but if I was strictly cat, yeah, I'd be be cat. All right.
0: So uh, don't go away because we uh, have more to talk about here with Michelle Fern. From Catitude. And uh, it's great to have a cat lady on because I'm a cat guy. So, uh, you know, it's good to also have a cat lady on.
1: Okay, everybody. It's been great talking to Dr. Jeff. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after this message. Hey, everyone. Michelle Fern here. I have to tell you about Pet Treater. Pet Treater is a gift box for your fur babes that gives you the chance to surprise them with interactive toys, all natural treats, and a whole bunch more. You know, I just got one for Dennis's birthday, but I made sure to get the larger size because I knew Molly and Charlotte would want in on the action too. Let me tell you, it arrived the day before I planned to give it to him. Dennis actually slept next to it the entire time. In the morning when I went to open it, I noticed all these claw marks on the box. They were trying to break into the goods. What a party once I opened the box for them. They had a blast. You know, whether you have a really cute kitty or an adorable doggy, or maybe some of each roaming your house, you can tailor the box to fit their needs, including any allergies they have or their size. You know, we all need an excuse to spend more quality time with our fur kids. With a subscription starting as low as $15, you and your furry family members will get to unbox some new surprises together, meaning you'll be spending less money, less time shopping, and more time hanging out. And if you're as obsessed with sharing photos of your pets as I am, you can connect with other animal lovers on the Pet Treater site. Okay, now Pet Treater is giving us this great offer. Go to PetTreater.com and use the coupon code Cattitude. that's C-A-T-T-I-T-U-D-E, and you'll get 50% off the first month of your subscription. That's PetTreater.com, P E T. T-R-E-A-T-E-R.com and get ready for some great party times with your fur babes. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio.
0: PetLiferadio.com. Pet Welcome back everyone. We're back. So uh, we're back here live with Michelle Fern. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some more about cats. We can talk about dogs too. And also let's talk about vaccines.
1: Let's talk about vaccines because, you know, it's hard when you have three, four, six, seven cats and there's so many different vaccines. Now you're a vet, so it's different for you. But for the ravaged person, when you have all of these cats, it adds up. So are there vaccines that, are necessary and there's vaccines that are okay if so that's what i want to know you no know, okay to get you know like you should get them but you don't have to have them
0: correct correct so here here's here's the thing we divide them up into what we call core vaccines those are the essentials and those are based on really where you live what the lifestyle is for example i have indoor only cats okay am i worried about leukemia virus for an indoor only cat the answer is no now, certainly, if I were going to take a new cat, like when I did with Jazz, we test him. He's negative, and uh, so therefore I'm safe to bring him in. But you know, when you think about leukemia virus, it re- in order f- for transmission, it requires prolonged direct contact with leukemia positive cat. I'm not talking about casual. You walk by him and sniff each other. I'm talking grooming each other, sharing food bowls. Um, you know, sharing litter box. It's got to be living together. So. The chance of that happening with my six cats are are nil. Therefore, I don't vaccinate. Let's talk rabies. How do you get rabies? In order to get rabies, you have to be bitten by a rabid animal. Again, where are my indoor-only cats? Going to, first of all, where am I going to find a rabid animal in Los Angeles? We haven't had a, a, a case in 50 years. And then, how is that dog? I mean, I, I'm not inviting bats into my home. I'm not inviting rabid raccoons and squirrels and, and uh, coyotes into my house. No, you so, have
1: enough going on anyway, I know, exactly. so you don't need them. right?
0: So, so am I worried about my cat's answers? no. Now, having said that about rabies, in some states, in many states, I believe Florida is one of them, rabies vaccine is required for cats as it is for dogs. Therefore, you have to do it because it's required It is required.
1: Law. And you yeah, have California's tag, not just the vet appointment because a lot of vets tag on the office visit. They don't have vaccine clinics. You're talking about $120 if you right. go to a shelter like uh, the Humane Society. But now it's you know strange times, so we're dealing with COVID still. So you're waiting in your car. Hope there's not a long line. Then it's right. about 40 bucks. I right. I know that the money goes to a lot of the shelters for the tags, but um, right. yeah.
0: So uh, now let's talk about some of the more esoteric, you know, vaccines. So we go, you know, the FERCP, which is the feline vaccine for rhino, Khaleesi, panleukopenia, which is cat fever. And also I like the chlamydia pneumonitis. That would be core for LA because that does not require direct contact. And you have cats running around, open windows, you know, so that that would be something that is what I would recommend required. And therefore we do that one. But that has gone from a one-year vaccine to a two-year vaccine. Now it's a three-year vaccine. Has the vaccine changed? Not a bit. What's changed is our knowledge about the immune system and how long these animals maintain immunity. And I know for dogs, what I do for the distemper parvo is I, I'm a big advocate of tighter testing. So if they're adequate. I don't vaccinate. I am not one of these vaccine guys. I mean, core vaccines are needed, but uh, if they already have immunity, I'm not going to vaccinate. And then think about like for dogs, more uh, rattlesnake, Lyme disease. These are vaccines that basically are lifestyle vaccines. If you are going and hiking in the mountains with your dog and there are rattlesnakes, yes, you should do the rattlesnake vaccine. Um, If you're in the Northeast and Lyme disease is prevalent, yes, you should have the Lyme vaccine. So uh, it all depends really on, on your lifestyle. What is the potential for contagion? If the potential for contagion is minimal and the risk of getting a vaccine is more than even the potential for contagion, then don't give the vaccine. Perfect example, coronavirus. Here we go with coronavirus. Have to, we have to bring it up once in a conversation, but in, the coronavirus in dogs is basically a 24-hour stomach flu. It is not deadly, uh, it is not dangerous, and yet the vaccine is one more vaccine where the adjuvant, or the, the preservatives, can actually cause some sort of vaccine reaction. Do I want that? No. So I'm not a bad advocate. I don't. I don't give recommend Corona vaccine for dogs. So it really just depends on your veterinarian, your own philosophy. Uh, your lifestyle, your location, and that's kind of how I make my decisions.
1: I love your decisions and I love that. And, And I know that you're the same in your practice. You don't shove everything down just to make the sale. And I find that so frustrating because vets can be expensive, and especially when you have multiple fur babes. So what can you as a pet parent, if there's a vaccine that you don't think is necessary, you've done research, you know, your cat's indoor only, and you really don't think it's necessary, how can you approach your vet and say, you know, I really don't want to give that because a lot of the older, and I'm, I'm not so biased, I've had this happen, old school vets, which have been practicing for, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years or more.
0: It's okay. I'm in my 37th. I I was, and I I changed.
1: Yeah. Well, I, Hey, I love, I prefer old school vets, but there's a lot of new vets that are great too. So there's that too, but there's some that are, you know, just pushing, you know, the vaccines just to get the sales at the clinic. What can you do as a pet parent? Just say no. I'm, no, you know?
0: absolutely. Just say no. I'm sorry. I've done my homework. Uh, there's no chance that my cat's going to get it. Therefore, I'm not interested in that vaccine. You could say, you know what? Why don't you go talk to Doctor Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish
1: we could clone uh, you. Can we have a Doctor Jeff clinic? You know, and I mean, you're so, in LA. It's better weather than South Florida for the most uh, of the year. But I, you oh, can gorgeous, open the one down here, today, and today. or we can move there. That's better. And
0: another thing, just you know, I'm so glad we're on this subject of vaccine. With vaccines. It's a, you know I had a discussion with a human immunologist. My original thought was that I don't like giving too many vaccines at once because the body can't handle the antigens, the body's immune system. And he straightened me out and he says, no, you, the body can handle millions of antigens at once. The reason why we don't like doing it on the human side, and I, I started using this as my reason why I don't do it on the veterinary side, is when a, a cat or a dog has a reaction to a vaccine, it's not the vaccine itself. It's not the antigen Itself, which is usually an attenuated antigen, antigen. Okay. It is, it's weakened. It doesn't cause the disease in the pet anymore. Okay. It's even sometimes it killed or it's modified live. So, whatever. What does it? It's the adjuvant and it is the preservatives. That is the liquid part, what the antigens are floating in, in that little bottle, that one CC or half CC bottle. That's how they get the reaction. The more vaccines you give, the greater your likelihood of vaccine. And speaking of vaccine reactions in cats, let's talk about the vaccine induced sarcoma that de- cats can actually get a cancer from the injection. All right. So when you have vaccine induced sarcoma, that's why, if you've noticed, and if you, if your vet is doing it elsewhere on the body, they should be changed. You should let them know that we don't, we no longer vaccinate cats on the trunk. We vaccinate them in the extremities, in the limbs, in the thigh, in the shoulder. Why? Very simple. Because if, heaven forbid, they get this vaccine-induced sarcoma, you can save their lives by amputating. Whereas if the vaccine is given somewhere on the body and the trunk, you cannot amputate. And these animals ultimately are going to be put to sleep. It's very sad.
1: That's really interesting. Who would have thought? Okay. I know our time's almost up, but I want to ask you this because, you know, we're going to another topic here, but you've been practicing for how long?
0: I'm in my 37th year.
1: But you look like you're 25, so how do uh, you
0: you. Okay. I have I have grandkids
1: already. Wow. So, okay. So you're the perfect one for me to ask this to. Because on Catitude, I hear a lot of people, you know, say, well, I don't like this vet. I, I chose this one. I, you know, they'll make comments about that. But I'm always interested and curious and especially to hear from, you know, a vet. I hold you in high regard. And I know you've been, like you said, you've practicing 30-something years. What is your peeve? on pet parents that come in to see you. What are some of the things that just drive you crazy?
0: Most of the things that drive me crazy are really, it's our fault, the profession's fault. Lack of education, lack of knowledge. What does get me a little crazy is when I see a problem and I'm, and as you mentioned, I'm very conservative. I am not a panicker. I like to educate. I like to give people choices. I'm not one of these that says, no, this is the way we have to do it. Like I said, if if we could afford anything we wanted, we would have anything we want. The practice management consultants always say, well, it's not our job to look in the pocketbook. It's our job to provide the best care possible. I disagree. All right? I think we need to look in the pocketbook. And our job is to tailor a treatment plan, a diagnosis plan based on what they can do. You don't want anyone ever walking out of your your hospital in tears thinking that they can't provide the care for their pet just because they can't afford it. Our job is to find out their Chevrolet. Their Toyota, their Mazda, not everybody can have a Porsche or Rolls or a Bentley, right? Or a Tesla because we'd all be driving them. So I'm not impressed by a doctor who can run every test in the book and give me the right answer. I am impressed by a doctor who can't run every test in the book, but still gives me the right answer. That's a doc who actually took every clue, the history, the physical, and he ruled out over half the things just by nature of that alone. Don't test for them. And that's a good doctor. I think that all young doctors should go get episodes of House MD. Remember that show? Yes, yes. It was great. Learn about diagnostic medicine. Learn how to take all the clues and then ask yourself for all your differentials out there. Every disease that you thought are, are possible, now go backwards. What would you expect if you had a pet that had that disease? And you run down those clinical signs and then you say, wait a second, of all those clinical signs, this pet only has one of them. It's still a possible, it's always possible. But we're putting that down below. We're not tested for that one right now. And you do it for each and every disease on your list of differentials. And then by that time, you're done with, instead of having 10 differentials, you only have two or three. That's what you test for. That's and smart. That's, and that's how I think, so my pet peeve is really against my a lot of my colleagues who are, like you said, I think are maybe a bit overly aggressive when it comes to testing. And I think that's the fault of the vet schools. The young doctors are so because they've had these things from the school. They've had ultrasound, right? They had all these fancy tests. They've had dental X-rays, etc. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we didn't have that, so we had to learn how to be better diagnosticians with our ears, our nose, our hands, getting a good history. And I wrote a, an op piece about this, and I was expecting ticking, you know, packages in my mail, right, from the profession, and I got so many letters of kudos mostly from older professionals who finally said, thank God someone is standing up and not letting our diagnostic skills die with the profession.
1: I want to also hear from what makes you cringe from a pet parent's behavior. So pet parents that come into your practice, and what do they do that drive you nuts?
0: And oh, one more thing, Michelle, that, that, that drives me nuts as a provider of care is when you do your best job. You are working with the client. You're doing your best job to to make it fit for them so they can do it. And they still come up with these lame excuses. Why? No, 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 we're not going to do it. And you know that the animal is going to suffer. And
1: that's it. it,
0: Oh my God. It drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, But unfortunately it it still happens. Or you know what also drives me nuts? Breeders. Because A, we don't really need so many breeding dogs right now. But It's not that. There's so much has changed in the veterinary world. When I was a hotshot student 40 years ago, one of my mentors said to me, Jeff, yeah, you're a hotshot. But guess what? Every five years, half of what was gospel is going to be obsolete. So don't forget, you need to learn every day. You need to change. And I'll talk to these breeders, and I see vaccines given at six, eight, and 10 weeks, and I call them, I'm going nuts. Do you realize that six-week vaccine? The one at six weeks is going to interfere with mother's passive immunity and actually leave them with no protection. We've learned so much more, so I call them very nicely and I say, "Oh, I'm just, you know, I just want to let you know, you know, there's a lot of new things in the vaccine world, and now we're vaccinating at, you know, eight weeks and twelve weeks. We don't do it every two weeks or three weeks or four weeks apart. It's great, etc. We want to start at eight weeks, we want to finish at sixteen weeks, and I get this. It drives me nuts. Listen, son, I've been doing this for forty years, and I know what kind of do. I know what I do with my dogs, so I'm just gonna keep on doing it. And it's like you want to say, "Oh, God." What? What am I going to do? How do you fight that? And uh, you can use all the logic, all the reason in the world, and these are they, they got their blinders on. they think they have all the answers, and they're not learning. We have to change with the times because there's so much newness in medicine all the time.
1: Well, just think about people, you know, for us as humans, we go to the doctor. There's been so many changes over the years too. So why wouldn't there be for you know in in the animal world, why wouldn't there be the same changes? You know nothing Absolutely. Ev- things change. And I'd be frustrated breeders too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of good ones. In fact, you know, I often comment when I see the paperwork for a breeder and everything is right and they say, you know, they, they put in advance, okay, four weeks, we did this shot at eight weeks, four weeks, and four weeks, they put the date out. I said, oh my God, thank God somebody is actually up with the times and learning some of the, uh, the new things we're doing. So that's great.
1: Okay. I have one more question based on one of the things that you said frustrates you because my vet does this, and I think what had you, you had mentioned as far as giving choices, you know, we could do this and this or this and this. You know, when you have one for a babe, you could sometimes go the whole route, maybe cut out one or two things. When there's six, you have to make choices sometimes right. because you could, you know, spend who knows how much. But what do you think, just offhand, vet only costs? I know you're in LA, so it's a little more expensive there because I live there, so I know. But- what do you think the cost is for shots and upkeep annually for a cat?
0: So it depends which, how many vaccines you give. You know, let's say the average vaccine is between $25 and $30, okay, plus a visit. You need, uh, let's say, assume you can do one visit a year. Again, depending on location, I have visits as low as $50, visits as high as $90, and then multiply by that by the, the, the vaccines and uh, the annual vaccines. And remember, some of these vaccines are not annual anymore. The FERCP is every three years. You can do a three-year rabies. You can do a one-year rabies. The one-year rabies, I think, is a better vaccine. But right now, it's only approved for a year. So sometimes it's just a matter. You can spend, uh, let's say, if you do one essential visit a year, the, only, you know, the average person only sees a vet 1.6 times a year. So let's say it's two visits a year. Let's say it's let's, let's average $150 on visits. And then let's say vaccines, $25, $100 of vaccines. So yeah, you know, you count on maybe $275 a year, depending on, on the cat. And then as they, as they get older and they need dentistries, that's where it starts getting expensive because you're going to need some lab work. You need a dental. I've seen, I mean, we're relatively inexpensive. I've heard you know, some places quoting for full dentistry with x-rays close to a thousand dollars.
1: Well, it's crazy. I haven't done cats dentistries, but dogs. Yeah. Cause once you do yeah. blood work, you got,
0: you got the blood work, your, your dental x-rays, the dentistry itself, depending on what was done in the dentistry, you might have some medication to go home. Uh, yeah, it could be upwards of a thousand bucks. Crazy.
1: Well, something to keep in mind for, you know, right. cat owner. I mean, dentistry, you should do it. Do you think absolutely necessary for cats?
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, you can, because cats get something called cervical line lesions and they it get, it's like a decay at the point where the tooth meets the gum. Very painful, very painful. And if you have, for example, you see your cat pick up food and then like, they want to chew it, but they open the mouth, they drop it, have their mouths checked because that might be one of the problems. Very tender.
1: So it's been wonderful talking to you, Dr. Jeff. All
0: right. Well, you know what? And it's been great having you. Thank you so much for joining, us, Michelle. I'd like to do this again. Anyway, always, if you need to get a hold of me, Dr. Jeff at PetLiferadio.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Jeff Werber. And of course, as we mentioned, if you need to get a hold of me, log on to AirVet. Download AirVet 24 7 concierge care. And if you put me, Jeff's telehospital, as your primary hospital, you will get me as your personal concierge doc. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.
1: That was such a fun show. I love talking with Dr. Jeff. He just knows so much about all kinds of animals, but especially about cats and valuable information. So I want to thank Dr. Jeff for coming on Catatune. Thanks to my cat crew, which is, I don't know I have to think of them every time because there's so many. Molly, Charlotte, and Dennis, and Jazz, and us. Uh, Sammy and Jethro. Thanks to my little yapper, Nikki. And thanks to my producer, Mark Winter, for making me and my guests sound great. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.